Section 2 of the History of Prostitution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arnie Horton. The History of Prostitution by William Sanger. Section 2, Chapter 2. Egypt, Syria, and Asia Minor. Egyptian Courtesans, Festival of Bubastis, Morals in Egypt, Religious Prostitution in Chaldea, Babylonian Banquets, Compulsory Prostitution in Phoenicia, Persian Banquets. Before passing to the subject of prostitution in Greece, a glance at Egypt and those nations of Asia which seem to have preceded Greece in civilization may not be out of place. Egypt was famous for her courtesans before the time of Herodotus. Egyptian blood runs warm. Girls are nubile at ten. Under the pharaohs, if ancient writers are to believe, there existed a general laxity of moral principle, especially among young females. Their religion was only too suggestive. The deities Isis and Osiris were the types of the sexes. A statue of the latter, a male image made of gold, was carried by the maidens at festivals and worshipped by the whole people. Nor were the rites of Isis more modest. At the festival at Bubastis, says Herodotus, men and women go thither in boats on the Nile, and when the boats approach a city they are run close to the shore. A frantic contest then begins between the women of the city and those in the boats, each abusing the other in the most opprobrious language. And the women in the boats conclude the performance by lascivious dances, in the most undisguised manner, in sight of the people and to the sound of flutes and other musical instruments. There is little reason to doubt that the temples, like those of Baal, were houses of prostitution on an extensive scale. Herodotus remarks significantly that a law in Egypt forbade sexual intercourse within the walls of a temple, and exacted of both sexes that intercourses should be followed by ablution before the temple was entered. Where piety required such sacrifices, it is not surprising that public morals were loose. It was not considered wholly shameful for an Egyptian to make his living by the hire of his daughter's person, and a king is mentioned who resorted to this plan in order to discover a thief. Such was the astonishing appetite of the men that young and beautiful women were never delivered to the embalmer until they had been dead some days, a miserable wretch having been detected in the act of defiling a recently deceased virgin. Of course, in such a society, there was no disgrace in being a prostitute. The city of Naucratis owed its wealth and fame to the beauty of its courtesans, whose reputation spread throughout Europe and was much celebrated in Greece. Rhodopis, a Thracian by birth, led the life of a prostitute in Egypt with such success that she not only bought her own freedom from the slave dealer who had taken her there on speculation, but if the Egyptians are to be believed, built a pyramid with her savings. A large portion of her story is doubtless mythical but enough remains to warrant the opinion that she was, though a prostitute, a wealthy and highly considered person. In Chaldea, too, religion at first connived at and then commanded prostitution. Every Babylonian female was obliged by law to prostitute herself once in her life in the temple of the Chaldean Venus, whose name was Mylita. Herodotus appears to have seen the park and grounds in which this singular sacrifice was made. They were constantly filled with women with strings bound round their hair. 
Once inside the place, no woman could leave it until she had paid her debt and had deposited on the altar of the goddess the fee received from her lover. Some who were plain remained there as long as three years. But as the grounds were always filled with a troop of voluptuaries in search of pleasure, the young, the beautiful, the high-born seldom needed to remain over a few minutes. This strange custom is mentioned by the prophet Baruch, who introduces one of the women reproaching her neighbor that she had not been deemed worthy of having her girdle of cord burst asunder by any man. Similar statements are made by Strabo and other ancient writers. At the time of Alexander the Great, the demoralization had reached a climax. Babylonian banquets were scenes of unheard of infamies. When the meal began, the women sat modestly enough in presence of their fathers and husbands. But, as the wine went round, they lost all restraint, threw off one garment after another, and enacted scenes of glaring immodesty. And these were the ladies of the best families. The Mylita of Chaldea became Astarte in Phoenicia, at Carthage, and in Syria. Nothing was changed but the name. The voluptuous rites were identical. In addition to this forced prostitution in the temples, however, the Phoenicians and most of their colonies maintained for many years the practice of requiring their maidens to bestow their favors on any strangers who visited the country. Commercial interest, no doubt, had some share in promoting so scandalous a custom. On the high shores of Phoenicia, as at Carthage, and in the island of Cyprus, the traveler sailing past in his boat could see beautiful girls, arrayed in light garments, stretching inviting arms to him. Originally, the sum paid by the lover was offered to the goddess, but latterly the girls kept it, and it served to enhance their value in the matrimonial market. In some places, the girl was free if she chose to abandon her hair to the goddess. But Lucian notes that this was an uncommonly rare occurrence. Very similar were the customs of the Lydians and their successors in empire, the early Persians. Their Venus was named Mithra, in honor of whom festivals were given at which human nature was horribly outraged. Fathers and daughters, sons and mothers, husbands and wives sat together at the table, while voluptuous dances and music inflamed their senses. And when the wine had done its work, a promiscuous combat of sensuality began, which lasted all night. Details of such scenes must be left to other works, and veiled in a learned tongue. End of section two.